This episode of First Strike is brought to you by MTG X-Ray. MTG X-Ray is an app that provides automated deck building suggestions. You can head over to mtgxray.com to get the latest version. The website itself is going to have a lot of added features, so head over to mtgxray.com today and post your brews. Special episode of the first, first strike, first strike podcast. For start the show, gonna plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic: The Gathering singles. Right now, fifteen percent off high end scan cards. So if you are a baller, you should uh, go to FaceToFaceGames.com, click that banner, and get linked to fifteen percent off high end. They're all they're actually all fifteen percent off. It's not just select. Uh, today's special guest. Right here, my table for two. First strike! Co-host slash hype man. And uh, we also have the most controversial writer, contributor of magic.facefacegames.com history and just recent MCQ winner with Blue Red Phoenix, Mr. Daniel Fournier. Welcome to the show, Dan. What's up? Thanks for having me. Although uh, I resent that slightly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's got to be I mean, someone more controversial than me come on i don't know like i actually um it's the first time in a while where some either a colleague or someone would come up to me and it's like have you seen the comments to to Forney's article i'm like what's going on because uh keith tends to take care of the toronto writers uh the ontario contributors and and, and the pro tour stuff so i was like huh what's going on and i read this and then matt Commander Schmaltz looks at it and he's like, "But it's not even that bad." <laughs> that was that was interesting. Yeah, I guess I said some things about legacy that made some people uh, not too happy. So, oh well. Yeah, I saw I saw you in uh, talked about in a legacy podcast group, and yeah, they're just like, "F this guy, <laughs> this Fournier idiot has clearly never played a match of legacy before. What does he know?" Uh, to be fair, nothing. I don't actually know anything. So they, it turns out that they were right all along. I feel like everyone who plays Legacy regularly, it's, it's like they're in an abusive relationship where they just get like wastelanded and force of willed out of a game where nothing they did mattered. And they're like, it's part of the health of the format. You got to keep these cards legal. This is fine. I enjoy losing every game on turn one. <laughs> we also got Andy Elliott and John, the, the usual crew. Um, I mean, let, let's just get straight to it. Congratulations, Anne, uh, on making it to the back to the MC and uh, with Blue Red Phoenix with Enigma Drake. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, the weekend was filled with a lot of good streams. Like M- MTG Alberta was streaming their MCQ, and uh, and then Kitchener had a stream with. Uh, one of our favorite guests ever as a, one of the commentators, Mr. Detective Dollywall. And um, yeah, congrats again. How, how was the tournament? How'd you come up with uh, Blue Red Phoenix as your weapon of choice? First off, thanks. And shout out to Sean. He is the best. It was very fun uh, 
talking a lot of trash with him on the stream all day. And nice hat, Alex. I like it. <laughs> um, it was a it was a very fun tournament to play. Actually, it was run by a lot of like the the usual cast around the Toronto area. So it's super smooth, super pleasant. Um, I actually submitted an article about Phoenix uh, this morning, so hopefully that's going up. I think tomorrow morning. Um, basically, it's the only deck that I have consistently been winning with in the standard format, and uh, every week I'll basically play a bunch of leagues with rule or saltire or whatever lose a bunch with it and be like whatever like uh, i'm gonna jam a few games with phoenix and then i can't lose with phoenix ever i'm like all right well i guess it's fated to be this way uh, i kept changing the deck over like week week to week i lost a win in at the scg in syracuse uh got traumatized by losing to red a bunch and then like added enigma drakes to the main deck which Changed a bunch of matchups around in pretty significant ways, and uh, and then one uh, I guess an MCQ with it, and uh, that was sweet. But people haven't adopted your uh, technology, your your Enigma technology. I don't really blame them all that much. It's kind of out there. Uh, it, it makes sense that the people who are building their Phoenix decks going down a very different path than I am uh, would continue to go down that path rather than do what I am. Uh, I think the problem with a lot of the Phoenix decks that are going around is that they're not really taking into account the lessons that have been learned uh, by like Phoenix deck builders over the course of this format and the last one. Like if you look at the best Phoenix deck from the last format, it was the Pascal Viren list that had like uh, three Electromancers and uh, was taking advantage of cards like Mirari's Conjecture to kind of grind out games. But if you then look at the kind of stuff that Phoenix decks are doing in this format, people are randomly just playing a bunch of like lightning strikes and uh, like God eternal Kefnets and stuff. The, these cards that like kind of play to the board or try to be more aggressive in a way. And they're cutting down on like radical ideas. They're cutting down on ways to actually like discard their Phoenixes. There were a bunch of decks playing like discovery dispersals and, and all of it kind of just makes no sense to me as someone who's been, playing Phoenix and Standard for a long time. It violates all the the kind of principles of what we've learned makes these decks tick. So I wanted to try to return to what I know works about the deck and then see how I can modify that to adapt to the current format. Like I knew, for instance, that I didn't need Fiery Cannonade in my sideboard to beat up on uh, like uh, Legion's Landing decks and that instead you could just play... Um, entrancing melody and it would like win those matchups as well as do other stuff and yeah you got to have like apply a bunch of those things and i felt like my deck because of that was actually kind of ahead of the curve despite it not really doing anything new and uh i got to win uh can you mention against some some of the cards that uh that people are still playing that, that you think are bad in the phoenix decks I think Lightning Strike is pretty, like, indefensible. Uh, There's, like, a paragraph in my article on this, but uh, since that doesn't exist yet, um, basically there's nothing that Lightning Strike kills other than your opponent that you isn't isn't done better than uh, Lava Coil. And this deck doesn't tend to, like, win in small small increments of damage. That's like a lethal burn spell would actually do something. It's like, okay, I'm attacking for 9 and 9, and then they're dead. Or I'm attacking for like a 21 point swing with like two Phoenixes and a huge crackling trick. 
that extra like three points of, of burn is like never actually gonna kill your opponent. Uh, the the only reason I think that's valid for trying to play Lightning Strike over like additional copies of Lava Coil is wanting to keep Planeswalkers off the board. But uh, Lightning Striking a Planeswalker is the exact same thing as just playing an Arclight Phoenix and attacking with it. And it's not like you need to kill Planeswalkers on turn two or something, right? The, the deck is basically, especially post-board with Legion of War bosses, exceptional at keeping Planeswalkers off the board. And so, like, leaving yourself open to cards that have War Toughness or something like Rekindling Phoenix kind of, like, doesn't make sense. So you're better off just playing more Lava Coils, more Beacon Bolts, stuff that deal with things that your deck's not already good at dealing with. Man, I think a lot of what he says makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, think, I like the hat adjustments, Alex. <laughs> Solid. First strike. First strike. Uh, Alex, you didn't. You didn't think. You don't think Blue Red Phoenix is actually good, right? You you said it was like a a regret of yours to have played Blue Red Phoenix instead of Mono Blue at your last MC. Is that okay? That's that's how you feel <laughs> about the deck. Um, and that, uh, I mean, uh, on, our sh- on our show, also yet to be released, he mentions how like other our archetypes have, have uh, made more. He feels archetypes have made more improvements than Blue Red Phoenix. But man, Dan, I have to admit, like the adjustments, the logic behind um, behind them, and, and how you're you're not playing strikes is uh, is convincing me that I have to give your list a, a try. I'm um, um, Andy, as someone who five owed in in the recorded queue for for the website. Well, what do you think of uh, Daniel's list? Uh, I liked his list quite a bit. I, I played it in a, in a couple leagues, and it does a lot of the things that the Phoenix deck's supposed to be trying to do. I always hated discovery dispersal, especially with the, the addition of uh, the finale. It just kind of didn't make sense to me to play that card anymore. But uh, and I like that he went up to four tormenting voice. Obviously, when it's bad, it's not great. But I think it's just it's just good often enough. Especially it helps with flooding, which is the main issue with the deck, in my opinion, is you can't really do much about the flooding. So I think, uh, yeah, I like Dan's list a lot. I like Enigma Drake. I wish, like, Drake's was playable with, like, Dive Downs because I really loved that deck. But, to like, Dive Down is unplayable because of Teferi. Yeah, you can't get away with playing any... Uh, you, can, you just can't get away with playing a Drake-centric strategy because you need Dive Down and Spell Pierce to be able to defend your Drakes because it's your only avenue of attack. And those cards are just, like, hideously unplayable in the face of Teferi. There's also, like, no removal in the format all of a sudden. So... Like, I realized that and then thought, oh, maybe, like, Drake's is good. So I ran Drake's uh, through a bunch of games on Arena and then just lost all the time because it actually turns out the deck's bad, so. Uh, uh, Elliot, John, like, any questions for, for Blue Red? I do just want to quickly mention that for as long as I've known Daniel, he's been trying to play Steam Vents in just whatever format it is. Uh, and that for people Cut considering... His mic. Cut his <laughs> for people considering playing this deck, uh, there were... To my knowledge, two people in that t- in the tournament he won with the exact same 75. And the difference was first place and last place. And last place was Grand Prix champion Kale Thompson. So that just goes to show how much mileage <laughs> uh, Dan's getting here on his experience with Steam Vents. And maybe the deck is not, not a 10 out of 10. The, the deck's like... Sorry. The deck's like fundamentally not one of the most powerful decks in the format. There's no doubt about that. Like... It, Especially if Alex thinks that 
like he showed it like mono blue, for instance, was way better than Phoenix at the, at the last standard uh, pro tour. And I like, that's just a hundred percent true. Uh, like in that context, uh, it, the mono blue deck was like doing what Phoenix was doing, just significantly better than what Phoenix ever can do. But uh, my reasoning for, for picking up Phoenix and playing in this format is just because of not, not because it's like inherently powerful, but because it does something kind of unique in that I wanted uh, a deck that was capable of always being able to pressure planeswalkers, pressure life totals very aggressively, but also be able to have a significant amount of velocity going into the late game, such that they can like keep up with more mid-range decks, kind of grind them out. And Phoenix is kind of the only thing that does that. It's not powerful, but it's fairly consistent and uh, at least consistent at being able to have uh, flying power on the board, which is good right now like really good right now yeah i do definitely agree that it it attacks the format from a different angle than any other deck and i was just wanted to stress how important it is especially with this deck that when you're attacking from that different angle you have to be really experienced with how the deck functions there's a lot of like really weird hands that you keep in in a deck like phoenix because there's you know 30 cantrips in the deck there's a lot of like really different and weird angles of attack and how do you play around Narsen to Fairy, which are two guards that interact really well against you independently and navigating those board states are really impressive or really important. So it's definitely one you need to be prepared with if you're going to play in a tournament. Yeah, I definitely can't recommend just, just picking it up cold if you've never played this archetype before. Luckily, it's been around for quite a while, so people generally have some games under their belt with it. But if if you aren't winning with it, don't be like, oh yeah, Fournier posted a sideboard guide. I should do that. Just stay away. If you if you if you're not having the same experience that I am, then I recommend just sticking to something else. No offense. Yeah, when I watch people play the deck, I think the most misplayed card in the deck for me was opt. Is like I would oh, often yeah. save my opts because it's like one of the only ways to trigger a phoenix on turn four without an electromancer and everyone else is just firing off ops like turn one and two every time they have the free mana and i think that card is the most the poorly played card in the deck that i see from people without the experience i just never understand what people are discarding with their tormenting voices when i see them play when they have like a difficult tormenting voice choice like like let's say they have nothing going on but they have like a drake so they kind of want to be firing off their tune two tormenting voice, like they need to hit a land drop or something. And then people always, to me, discard the weirdest things. It's a really hard decision to make, but there's definitely still an answer. So maybe you were misplaying uh, with the deck. Yeah, Alex, you suck. Get it together. <laughs> um, man, uh, to to obviously link to to some of the Twitter controversy. Your free article tomorrow has a cyborg guide. That's value. That is value right there. There's already a joke in the article about that, so you're ruining it. Just saying. <laughs> um, but me, like on a serious note, I'm always for, um, especially. It's been a while. Just like content producers haven't been able to or haven't tried to to monetize their, their stuff and it took a while before i don't know what started it i mean it took a while for for it to really for it to really grow like the game podcast maybe um is when people are, like that's jerry and brian got so big to the point that other pro players started their own show and like hey 
we can start our own pod and monetize that and start this movement. But I'm all for uh, creators, content creators being able to to get uh, more than they have been. Like before, I mean, they a lot of sites were just offering uh, peanuts. So I'm always for that. So anything, I wouldn't understand the negativity for, for me of, of people providing um, cyborg guys that uh, people put effort into constructing, just like, I, if I was playing Jeskai Walkers, I'd, I'd pay for the Lotus Box uh, winner's uh, guide if I was playing that deck. Yeah, definitely shout out to all the, all the content producers trying their hardest to get all their stuff out there. Uh, like, I don't know, like people shouldn't work for free. Like, <laughs> don't expect people to work for free. These people are putting in significant hours, figuring out standard, kind of breaking the format. And uh, if you're not like, streaming it on Twitch and getting all your like subscriber revenue and ad revenue and stuff, then like, I don't know. It's like not unreasonable to put it behind a paywall. It's also reasonable to like, uh, like start crap online and like be like, ah, your paid deck list sucks. Like that's funny. I don't know. It's like, it's a good drama, but it's not like a reasonable, it's not a good argument. Pay people for their work. Like it's pretty straightforward. I think it's randomly, randomly raining cash over here. Um, T- table table for two doesn't pay anyone yet, but uh, we will accept free meals because uh, my wallet's getting light with all, all the... Table for two. <laughs> We're First try. <laughs> uh, um, but I'm losing... I'm losing. Uh, so, Dan, did, did you feel some of the weaknesses of the, the Blue-Red Phoenix set? Do you, do you feel that it's inconsistent or, or just like adding that Enigma Drake really helps the... the sometimes people feel they draw the non-threat part of the deck, etc.? Uh, I mean, sometimes I, I certainly found that, uh, so I played the deck during the arena MCQ as well as, uh, the Star City Games Open. And there are just a couple losses throughout each tournament where it's like, oh, there aren't any Phoenixes in the top 30 cards in my deck, so I lose. And, and that's just kind of going to happen, right? If you, if you have a, a deck based around a particular strategy and you, sorry, if you have a, a deck whose strategy is based around a certain card, and that card is only in the bottom 10 cards of your deck, then you are not going to win. It's just that simple. That's like a thing that's kind of recurring throughout Magic. Um, and I think that's fine. Like, all decks have fail rates. This one is... This this one's fail rate is actually pretty low, just given the sheer number of cantrips and card selection that you have. So I don't find that to be, like, that big of a problem. Yes, it happens. Uh, the addition of the Enigma Drakes was, wasn't really to that end. It was to fix the red matchup because the most important card in that matchup I realized after winning and losing to it a bunch was uh, Crackling Drake. Having Crackling Drake stick and being able to kill them because no matter how effective you are at trading in the early game, you cannot beat Experimental Frenzy unless you have a fast clock. Multiple Phoenixes aren't going to be enough of a clock against Frenzy because Frenzy is very good at killing Phoenixes but with like shocks and lightning strikes or whatever off the top. Uh, but if you have a large Enigma Drake or a large Crackling Drake and they do not immediately find Lava Coil, it doesn't matter if they have a Frenzy or a Chandra or whatever, you're going to kill them. So th- that's why adding two more Drakes to my deck was significant. And the fact that it like ups the threat count a little bit is kind of nice, but those slots were uh, threats beforehand. Like there were Sahilis, which are kind of threats, I suppose. Thumbs down for Enigma Trick or thumbs down for Sahili? Who knows? Both. Got it. <laughs> thumbs down for the whole deck. All right, let's go. 
Is Sahili bad in the deck? Uh, no, I think Sahili is very strong, but it's very strong at doing one specific thing, which is kind of grinding out a board presence, which isn't something that you necessarily want to do in most of your matchups. It, it, it's good when your opponent isn't playing very many creatures, has uh, planeswalkers like, say, Teferi or something that you want to be able to pressure, but uh, it, it plays a similar role to Legion Warboss in that sense. Honestly, the reason why I'm playing like two Sahili's, three Legion Warboss instead of four Legion Warboss, one Sahili, is because there are Sarkins in my sideboard as well, and having like leftover Planeswalkers in play is, is nice. Also, there's a lot of synergy with Sahili in the deck, like it, it being able to uh, the like it being able to turn the servos into Crackling Drakes or whatever is is very nice. Kind of gives gives your Crackling Drakes haste in a sense as long as you've set it up. And that's also just very good to keeping Planeswalkers off the board. So kind of all of the decisions that go into this deck building are like, okay, so every single matchup is going to have like Teferi, Nissa, Tamiya, whatever. How can we make sure that they're not getting any value off of those cards? We're going to build our deck that way. Man, so Alex, I think you need to consider this deck for your tournament in two weeks. No, I don't do it. <laughs> sounds good. It actually sounds really good. His matches are way more important than mine. I'm able to take huge risks. <laughs> I don't yeah, think he what, is. <laughs> one, one hundred, what is it? 100k to first, right? Nah, that, <laughs> that is balling. Yeah, I was um, playing for 2k, and which I lose flying to Barcelona. So <laughs> uh, we'll get, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to get the art of that. Um, Andy, Elliot, John. I, don't, I know John's standard is not relevant to you anymore for a while until modern. What about Andy and Elliot? You want to add what you you guys have been playing if you have a tournament to test for? I have a PTQ not this weekend, but the weekend after. And I've been playing a lot of Salt Eye Dread Horde. And I think uh, I like that deck quite a bit. Uh, Nissa is just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> there's, there's a, You basically can't come back from like a turn three or four Nissa very easily it's dominates the board and it kills very fast and the man advantage is huge so i think it's just one of the i, I can't believe like nobody picked this as one of their top cards like myself included i completely missed on how obscene it was and uh yeah so i've been playing a lot of nissa decks i saw that the fandom legends tournament today had two bant ramp decks in the top four and uh, they were both playing uh just a ton of mana dorks nissas and uh, Crazies, and the one of them was even playing the White Finale. And I think, uh, I personally, I've, I haven't liked those decks that much, but maybe the version without all the steal stuff would be good. Because I, like I don't like the stealing card stuff, but I do like the Finale. All right, I think, I think the list is, uh, Alex linked me to it to try it. Uh, Fabrizio and Terry's list, who tweeted out that he's been killing on Arena with like 38... Two or three eight six record, and uh, yeah, PV, PV did, tweeted about it like you said, and um, so that's what people have been trying. And um, yeah, PV won the tournament with the deck. Well, what do you? So you, I, I've tried a bit, didn't love it, didn't love it, and I also would love to play Dan, Dan's deck if people are playing this deck. I just get all my lands rathed every time I try to play that deck. Get all my mana dorks and lands rathed, and then I look very stupid. Yeah, I, I was playing. I had more success. Um, personally, I have a the Super Arena Cup thing on, on Sunday, hosted by Pascal Maynard. 
uh, Final Nub was like, was like, what is that thing? But uh, it's 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 just a local uh, stream tournament. Uh, it's going to be streamed on Twitch. So I so I'm still prepping for it, and I did play the the band deck, and um, and I played a Simic ramp deck that Final Nub linked me to by Tangrams, which I thought was great. Was pretty good. I was winning in, in the Moto queues. Um, was four one ning with it. Sometimes five zero, maybe sometimes a bit. But you should see what uh, what Tangrams is playing now. So yeah. I I played against them in a couple leagues uh, last night, and uh, they absolutely slapped me around with the Karn's temporal sundering, and uh, I, I just could not win after they cast that card. They're like playing Nissa, like bounce your Nissa, take an extra turn, attack with my lands. Like, make another land, attack with my lands, huge crisis, go. And all of a sudden, my, what I have in play is, like, one three three and a Mana Dork or two. They have three three threes, and a Nissa at very high loyalty, and their Mana Dorks, and I'm immediately dead. Can't play my Nissa, it'll just die. Can't do anything, or I'll just die. So that card absolutely kicked my uh, kicked my ass. And I uh, the card could be good. It was also, he was also playing Little Teferi. And Karn's Temporal Sundering is a powerful card. Like, six-mana Time Walk with just Bounce a Permanent sounds pretty good when there's a lot of really good legendary permanents that stick around. So uh, I think maybe that card's the truth, because wow, was it powerful. Even like At worst, it's like an insane Time Walk. Or like, I guess at worst, you can't cast it. But <laughs> He actually messaged me on, on Discord. We, we've been chatting. Um, he listens... Uh, some I don't know this show or our show, but he listens to some of our content. They overdue. But, but he actually messaged and he's like, "Man, I beat Andy in a queue, and he was like the first one to get one of the, like the second person to get a trophy on like the new season or whatever." And then he he got a second one really quickly with the new list. And I, I actually liked his old list, even though like people are, were were down on Grazer and stuff. I found that it accelerated without risk, was able to get you uh, the Nissa quicker. And with the Gruelis copying the KC list, having four Phoenixes now, it just protects my Nissa for one turn, and, and that's sometimes quite relevant to be able to untap it and play a high, uh, really strong crisis. I'm going to test the, the Tangram's Bant list. I actually like it more than the Fabrizio list that people are playing because it's it's playing these uh, sweet cards, like you said, ten, Temporal Sundering, and it doesn't play... Tristani, which I personally haven't been that impressed with it, just because can't like uh, sometimes a lot of these mirror matches comes down to them stealing my Nissa, and I just want my Nissa back. I don't want my crappy creatures back. I just want Placewalkers on tap, play Krasis. So uh, that's where I'm at. I'm probably going to try Bat, and again, the the perfect failsafe is uh, Mono Red or. Blue Red Phoenix. I'm going to try Dan's list because he's convinced me that his list is packed with logic and power. Uh, and if, if there's two things I love, they are facts and logic. Let me tell you. Love those things. Big fan. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, John. Yeah, don't play Red. I think Red is really bad now. Everyone's really reacted to it. There's infinite bindings. There's infinite... I, I don't know, hate cards, like D-Sparks, etc. It just seems really hateful. I wouldn't play it for the next like few weeks at the very least. He sounds so sad. Like, like he just scrubbed out of a MCQ with it recently. 
It was a very sad voice. Um, Andy, were you jumping in with for some extra thoughts? Uh, I was just going to mention before that a Tangram's second trophy was uh, against me for a trophy. And he crushed me for the trophy. And I immediately like went to the leaderboard and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Foiled again. I think he's like 5-0 and against me or something insane in the last like week. It's crazy. And he actually, uh, po- like, it, it's pretty sweet. He just posted decks uh, freely in the game. Well, it's not all long to call the game podcast, but in their Discord, in their uh, deckless channel. So it's pretty Arena sweet. Deckless. Um, so that's pretty sweet. I think uh, we've said pretty much what where we're at. Um, Elliot, you're not going to play the one in, in two weeks at Violet Carlware? No, I thought it was on the 22nd, so I'm visiting my family that weekend. And I'm so I'm going to be like 40 minutes from Toronto, but also not playing the Toronto MCQ. I really, I really blew it. <laughs> the, the 10K prize pool. Even I'll be at the Toronto MCQ to brag, just to brag. <laughs> okay, no, I'm actually, go. I'm gunslinging at the Toronto MCQ. Let's go. Come destroy me for a free Modern Horizons pack. I suck, so it'll probably be pretty easy. Yeah, probably playing some dumb Steam Vent stack in Modern. Don't say that. It's mean. It's He's a Hallowed Fountain man now. Ooh, it's true. Damn, that deck's sick. Oh, I'd much rather be a Hallowed Fountain man than a Celestial Colonnade man. Ooh, why not both? Yeah, yeah what are you talking about? <laughs> Get out of here. Okay, I got a good question. Uh, as we wrap up the standard from my currently mute co-host. For you, Elliot. So why is Haste so good right now in standard? Is it the best ability, or is it something else? Flying? Uh, I'm not actually sure which is better between haste and flying. It's pretty similar because it's really important to be able to attack planeswalkers. I would say that... I want to say that haste is the best between the two. Just because that's like the main strength that the entire grill deck has is that all the cards suck except half of them have haste. So when you play against decks with like 15, 20 planeswalkers in them, you just get to like ranch them right away. Uh, and also Nissa gives your lands haste, and that's like the best card in standard. So slam, slam it also haste. Why not both? Is there a single card in the world that has haste and flying? No, definitely not. So I guess never mind. Um, so Alex, what's what's the best ability in standard? First strike. Okay. Okay. Um, now to, to get to the to another topic, topic conversation. I don't. I don't know if if, if Dan wants to get into it, but because uh, he last tweeted about this, well, he first tweeted about this. Thinking about getting in on this MTG GoFundMe Discord. Can't see things going poorly for me at all. And uh, we see someone someone leaving the room. Due to this court. And, and Dan, oh, Dan's going to leave as well. Man, I guess it's not. I mean, I, w- I was telling Final Nub that I was getting mentally fatigued by this topic as as per usual when, when t- the Twitterverse, uh, my whole Twitterverse is filled with this. And But my weak point is I'm always uh, the sit-on-the-fence type guy. But uh, Dan, is there anything you want to say on the show about this stuff? <laughs> This is a bad idea. <laughs> All right, whatever. Let's go. Uh, I'm not one to shy away from this stuff, so whatever. You've baited me successfully. Let's do it. 
The GoFundMe topic is a very complicated one. Uh, it's very difficult to talk about it because inevitably you're going to encounter issues of privilege, issues of classism, and issues of like classism kind of expands beyond things, but inevitably kind of racism. Um, Wizards removing the travel awards from, uh, from MCs is troublesome in a lot of ways. I talked about it in an article that uh, may or may not have uh, gotten some people yelling at me, but um, basically it, it massively disadvantages those who are already disadvantaged. Magic is a very expensive game to play. The Pro Tour, especially without uh, travel awards, is a very expensive tournament to go to. Already, at, uh, at every PT that I played, except for the one that I cashed, I went down a lot of money, like many hundreds of dollars in accommodations and food. This is now that, plus way worse. Uh, it It is, I think, very reasonable for people who are not of economic means uh, those who are not economically privileged to request donations to go to tournaments. Uh, the Pro Tour is something that generally people strive to go to. It's kind of the the peak of competition in a lot of sense. And nobody should be denied the peak of the competition just because they come from a country where, for instance, they come from a country where it is too expensive for them to then travel to Barcelona for the Pro Tour or whatever. And then if there are people from, say, say America or say Canada who are willing to help them out with that, there is in no way anything immoral with this. I don't think, to be fair, that anyone's really arguing that that's immoral. Uh, everyone who's kind of getting in on this discourse and kind of riling everyone up being like, yeah, the GoFundMe is lame or whatever – are targeting the people who are doing something a little bit more complicated with their GoFundMe's. They're people who are generally magic players who may or may not be well off. This discourse is impossible to have because we also have no idea what the economic realities of all these people are. But uh, we choose to go in on it anyways because uh, in the age of social media, in the age of everyone having having their favorite opinion, we all have to talk about everything always instead of just being like, oh, this is too complicated, maybe we shouldn't do it. But here I am, the idiot, talking about it. So let's go. Um, there are definitely people who have GoFundMe's for MC Barcelona who probably shouldn't have GoFundMe's for MC Barcelona. Uh, I can't really afford the plane ticket for MC Barcelona, but I can't in good conscience set up a GoFundMe for myself. I don't have that money sitting around. I can probably find that money. Uh, it's wrong for me like on, on an objective level to spend this money to go there. I'm probably not going to get that money back. It's probably a bad financial decision. I want to do it and I'm going to do it and I'm able to do it because I'm someone of privilege. Uh, I'm not risking my financial well-being. Well, I'm sorry, I'm risking my financial well-being, but not my general well-being by doing this. If you are someone who like, oh yeah, it would be like inconvenient for me to spend $1,500 on this flight, but I'm well off things are going to be fine for me, whatever. It, it probably isn't a good look at the very least for you to set up a GoFundMe. And there are then situations where there are people who, uh, for instance, made, uh, God, how do I put this without getting in a lot of trouble? <laughs> made perhaps poor financial decisions leading up to or in the time around uh, winning their MCQ, who otherwise may or may not have those problems. Uh, 
setting up GoFundMes and kind of getting roasted for it. I think if we know all the facts, it could be bad, but because we don't know all the facts, we should probably not pass judgment on those people because we don't know if they're actually like poor, if they're actually economically disadvantaged. Uh, we don't know this stuff. It's just don't, don't be mean to each other over things that like kind of, uh, it just sucks. I don't know. <laughs> it's really, there's no like good conclusion to this, except the, the only like real conclusion I can say is that damn it, wizards pay for the damn flights. Like for Christ's sake, the pro tour is a marketing exercise. The fact that we're having this discussion, the fact that I'm sitting here thinking like, Oh God, like I, I want to have an opinion, but it's so dangerous for me to have an opinion over like the classism of fundraising for magic tournament flights. Like, damn it. Just bring back the travel award. That's it. I like that. I don't think you said anything that I could possibly disagree with. John, John, John's been in love with this topic. What, any, any response? I don't think it's worth getting into it. The horse has been beaten dead. All I can say is, you know, this is a very nuanced topic that has multiple aspects that needs attention, and it's simply not a topic that can be discussed in good faith with the 150 character limit under Twitter. And people are doing that, so it's never going to end well. So there you go. Uh, it's 280 characters, actually. Oh, pardon me. Then, then we can. It's open season, then. <laughs> um, anything from you, Elliot? I, for the most part, agree with Dan, and I especially agree with him on the point of uh, trying to further advance my opinion of why it's stupid to punch down on people who are doing GoFundMe's. I, I am going to protect myself and not go further than that. Smart coward. Andy. (laughs) Well, Dan uh, sort of nailed the part that speaks the most to me is that uh, the issue is like, there's too many moving parts and it's too complicated. And I speak from a position of like not being able to understand a lot of it that I think I I can't, I don't really have that much of an opinion. Like I, Oh, was that everything gets first strike? (laughs) <laughs> but um yeah i don't i just don't think like some of it sucks like the people who like ship their prize money in the finals like for the invite and then just go fund me the invite just to get into good old two for one is kind of crappy but helping people who like i don't know like a young kid from brazil who just can't afford to go to the mc sounds pretty cool to me like a dream come true for this this kid and that kind of stuff sounds cool but, uh, yeah, the whole thing is it's very complicated, and each thing is, like, case by case, and I don't know all the facts, and I'm not sure I deserve to know all the facts about these people in order to decide whether I should give them money. If I feel like giving someone I know money, then that's fine, and if uh shouldn't shame anyone for trying to get some help or, like, lift some financial burden. Like, you don't have to donate. I think it's okay. In the spirit of keeping everything to 140 or fewer characters for fun, I'm going to take a shot at it because, you know, what's life without some spice? Don't look down on disadvantaged people and also don't take advantage of anyone. Thank you. I've I've been inspired to say 
I've been inspired to say one thing that that may get me in trouble, inspired. which is that uh, the main people that I've seen kind of pushing against GoFundMe's on Twitter have been like David Williams and Matt Sperling. So I'm just really glad that we assembled the crack team of a lawyer and a poker player who's won millions of dollars to tell us whether or not it's okay to donate money to people who need it to go to travel to a magic event. I'm glad that they're the the council who gets to decide whether or not people get to play magic tournaments based on their economic situation. Yeah, people who are really... Uh, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I, I was like, uh, man, I'm thinking, thinking back. I'm with, I'm with Andy in, in that I would donate to, to some people that I know, depending on my current situation at the time. Currently, no position to donate. But at the time, when, when P. Sam's couldn't go because it was in Japan, probably, PT Japan, he couldn't afford to go after, I think he topped 16. I feel it was GP Atlanta. Could have been New Jersey, but one of them. And I, I would have donated to that and just because I really would have really wanted to see him uh, live his dream. And I don't wouldn't have needed equity back in, in that scenario. And um, also, I still remember for – it's not really related to this, but I still remember people hating the fact that uh, Jay from the A-team got flown to GP Toronto years ago because you know, he was unemployed. But people really wanted to see him there after uh, listening to, to the A-team episodes. But – I remember a lot of people was like, who is this guy? Why is he getting all this money? And uh, for me, it's just that's why it's like I, if you know these people or you think you don't even have to know them, if you think it's, it is going for uh, a good cause or, or someone that deserves to go, then you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. There's no, nothing wrong with not – there doesn't need to be like poker and, and getting that equity. But in some cases, sure, if you're – you could sell action also. I'm generally in agreement with most of the things said here. The The main issue I have is that people knew the terms of the game before the uh, PTQ. And like, if they can't make it, like, I, I don't think like you should try to qualify in good faith without a plan. You know, it's just like uh, people taking the LSAT and the GMAT trying to get into business school or law school without uh, a plausible path to getting in and paying for your schooling. You know, like you have student loan, which is like a known plan beforehand. But if you didn't have that, then I think, you know, you, you might be taking a spot uh, from someone who would be, who would like to get into law school, who would like to go to PTQ and is willing and able to get it. Like that's, that's like the main issue I have. But I think most of the efforts like kind of like directed, like misdirected towards going uh, against both sides when I think there is a systemic um uh, flaw that Wizards has. Like, I don't think they should be uh, uh, reimbursing 100% of the travel coverage, but I think really they need to be giving a more, like a more reasonable travel stipend before the fact, maybe like $1,000 or something, you know, ta like, like, because like the winning, like the appearance fee is still tax taxable, right? And some people can't afford to buy the tickets because the appearance fee is after the fact as well. And there's not a lot of people talking about that, that aspect of the issue. Most, pe most people are just like, shouting at the other side and all that. And as I said, like Twitter is really hard, a really bad place to have these like nuanced, like good faith discussions. And for what it's worth, like before Matt Sperling went on his spree, like he made a few posts that I, I think had a lot of valid points, but unfortunately his, uh, his GoFundMe was I think very callous and thoughtless and it really defeated any 
uh, value that his original uh, string of posts may have had. So that's what I what I think is really unfortunate because I think there was a discussion to be had, but instead he really just went off the rails with the GoFundMe and instead like tried to like double and triple down, which really helped no one. All right, I, I think I think we're good on this topic. Uh, final note: Have you have you been in the modern lab with with Modern Horizons pre-releases coming this weekend? What are you excited about? Oh, of course. It's an exciting time in the dojo or the lab or the cabal, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's already people 5 0 with um, Hogark and Altar of Dementia. That's exciting. I'm crushing leaks and uh, Neoform. Um, there's going to be, like, the, the Horizon Lands are going to be very exciting. Pact of, uh, sorry, uh, Force of Negation is going to be very exciting. Actually, like, between War and Modern Horizons, I think Modern's landscape is going to be significantly different. And it's going to reward really people who are resourceful and who are paying attention and getting on, latching onto these new ideas. Because I, I think there's going to be various new tier one deaths uh, come uh, two, three weeks. And Dan, Dan actually wrote an article called Force of Negation Kicks Ass. Definitely check it out, magic.facefacegames.com. Uh, John, John, how do you feel about the, the London Mulligan decision that was announced? I think it's fine. Um, it, it, there's like good good parts here and there. I think there's arguments for and against that are uh, pretty nuanced that I didn't think about. Like there are some players like Ari Lax who's like uh, making the argument that uh, this really this doesn't affect standard and limited that much because of the quantity of the cards being very important. But this really homogenizes the game and the play patterns in eternal formats. And I kind of agree, but like mostly it's feels like it's been kind of beloved, so like, I don't have a problem with it being online. Um, I really don't think uh, the Allosaurus Rider slash Neoform, um, Neoform uh, combo can be allowed to exist under London Mulligan. I've been goldfishing hundreds of hands uh, with Neoform, and I'm so far at small sample size and all. I've been killing uh, uh, on against the goldfish maybe like 40, 45% of the times before turn two. And I've, so far, I'm, all, I'm at like 65% win rate uh, in competitive leagues and all that. This is without the London Mulligan as well. I think that London Mulligan is going to really assist, uh, really assist the deck and some other degenerate decks as well. So I, I think that I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think it's going to require some bans in the near future. How are you doing against a deck that's been winning most tournaments I see, including the last two F2F Opens, and there's one coming up in North Bay this Saturday, Blue-White Control. Yeah, so I think it's, uh, it's for sure a new Tier 1 deck, and like, the results online and in paper both speak for themselves, in my opinion. I think Narset and Teferi have really um, just, it's had a very large uh, effect on its, uh, its ability to cover a variety of uh, decks. And for me, I have a, a Grand Prix Seattle uh, MCQ coming up in Modern. And my theory uh, from day one, since uh, War and Modern Horizons has been spoiled, is to really go over the top or get the hell under them. And I'm leaning towards the uh, get under them option now. So I'm testing, uh, I think Blue-White, blue white, like you can't really go toe-to-toe -to -toe, like in the mid-range and the late game unless you're really going over the top. So... Uh, I'm working towards the Lavadart uh, Red Phoenix uh, uh, deck. I, I'm trying to work on Storm. I'm trying to work on Infect White for Teferi and 
some other white cards like Geist Geist Draft and uh, White Hate cards. But uh, I mean, I, I ordered the uh, I ordered my uh, Neo uh, Neoform deck cards from face to face games. So uh, I'm probably planning just like jamming that. I'm trying to turn one people at Seattle. I see in your article, Dan, you you posted an updated blue white, which is like a strong force with force of negation in, inside of it. Um, yeah, what are you are you messing around with modern now? Now that you're uh, all good with standard? Yeah, I started to think about it a bunch. Certainly, I was thinking about it the moment I saw the sweet spoilers. Uh, definitely, if if neoform is this powerful, and by all accounts it is. Uh, then Force of Negation becomes a very valuable card to have access to in your deck. I didn't get to play very much against Neoform decks in existing uh, Modern, because obviously I didn't play that MC, and so without the Mulligan rule, it is significantly weaker, so people weren't really playing it. But uh, I I did find that I was having a pretty easy time of beating it with Blue-White, simply because I had access to Negate slash Dovin's Veto. And if they weren't able to have have that very aggressive draw uh, uh, which is like impeded by the Vancouver Mulligan, then uh, I was able to beat them fairly reliably. Um, with the London Mulligan, they become much stronger and therefore force of negation then becomes immediately the best way to do it. And I'm pretty sure Blue-White is the best force of negation deck uh, just because of the reasons in my article. Uh, but because it's able to actually play a, a pile of blue cards, recover from the card disadvantage as well as possible, and actually take advantage of being able to tap out in early turns. Hmm. John, no chance for playing that, John? It just doesn't really fit me. I'm just a one-trick pony, man. Like, you know what I am. Infect with Teferi. Is that is that a John unique idea, or, or or people actually experimented with this? Sounds sweet. No, I've I've seen it around a bit. I know um, there's like alternate al- alternate plans that uh, Infect had against like uh, heavy removal uh, decks like uh, Jund and Grixis Shadows, for example, where Geist of Saint Traft would get them, and you can actually protect uh, the Geist of Saint Traft credibly with your pump spells. And Teferi um, can obviously can be a great turn two tempo play where you go turn one Noble Hierarch. Turn to Ink Moth, uh, bounce your uh, Goblin Guide, or no, pro- that's probably not good. Uh, bounce your Camping of the Parish or someone, and then just like try to like combo kill them uh, a turn later. So I th- I really like the fact that Infect beats a lot of the other linear decks as well, while having a good chance against like Blue White, for example, because it doesn't have a tertiary color for a uh, Fatal Push or Lightning Bolt. And Blue White is actually a fair ma- matchup, I think. Uh, so, and Narset doesn't do anything. Teferi, kind of annoying, but you know, what are you, you going to do, I think? Um, so I think uh, Infect, uh, deck like Infect and Storm is uh, well-positioned. But yeah, White, White Splash is experimental. I, I like the idea of playing Devoted Druid with access to Teferi 3 as well. Uh, it, it's a pretty similar idea. You have to like, yeah, I think like any Noble Hierarch deck, except for humans, obviously, that can never cast Teferi. Uh is helped out a lot by adding the fairy to the deck. It also gets the new uh, Mother of Runes knockoff, which is pretty cool. So, like, there's a lot of power there to be explored. I do like the fact that I do like the idea of combining a accelera- uh, deck that has a c- acceleration and a combo aspect as well. And I think that Giver is a re- uh, fairly good addition to that deck as well. So, um, I, I like where you're coming from, Daniel. All right, boys. Anything else as we wrap up the show? 
for strike. <laughs> Andy? <laughs> nah, I, uh, I got nothing. Go Raptors. Raptors in six. Raptors oh, yeah, six. let's go. Whoa, let's go Raptors. Come on. That's it. Raptors are good, man. Raptors are good. I think uh, we've all, we're all cheering for the Raptors. I don't <laughs> We got one team, man. There's no yeah. divide. Yeah. As Canadians, the Grizzlies are gone. <laughs> As Canadians, we don't have another option right now. So. <laughs> Wasn't it said that on game one or game two, 25% of Canadian population was watching the Raptors? It was insane. In little, little Kingston, we had like 2,500 people in our market square watching the basketball game. That's impressive. Well, there was a map of like map of the United States of which states are cheering for which team. And I think it's like California and New Mexico are cheering for the, the Warriors and just everything else is Raptors. No one likes someone who wins all the time. It's boring. Everyone hates the Warriors. It's boring, man. It's How do you boring. feel about the New England Patriots? I think, that's, <laughs> I think that sport sucks. I haven't been... I mean, maybe it's just the Raptors, but haven't haven't even watched any of the NHL finals. Really, just just reserving uh, the nights I can to, to watch Raptors, and finding I actually like it. I might, I might actually enjoy it more than, than hockey, but we'll see. Maybe maybe when the when the Habs are in. <laughs> um, I mean, there's proof of that that we we delayed the show a night so that we could all watch the Raptors game, and no one's care. No one cares that the Blues and the Bruins are playing right now. Yeah. I can't imagine caring about hockey when the Raptors are in the NBA Finals. Also, it's a better game and more fun to watch. So you know, Motorhead pre-released this weekend. And uh, what what else? Oh no, you probably have to plug some face open. North North Bay North Bay open. I plugged he, he already. He already snuck it in. <laughs> I snuck it in. When? Uh, like uh, I said that. Blue White won the last two, and and, and it, it would be a contender to win uh, this Saturday's North Bay Open. Um, I, I guess I'll plug uh, twenty five dollar pre release drafts, pretty cheap, probably cheaper than most, if not all places. Like that's like you know, open only price that you're gonna get, and we still have ten dollar War of the Sport drafts at all the open. So that is still, um, I think, one of the best prices. Definitely uh, pretty darn good, especially when we thought about needing to uh, increase the price due to the War, War of the Spark or previously it was the tariffs and, and stuff like that. It looked like we, we had to bump it up more, but still $10 for, for, I think, the rest of the year. So take advantage of that if you don't like modern and, and you're in the area you want to draft. Great deal. Um, what a deal. I think that's it. If I have have five to ten extra dollars a month and I haven't found a GoFundMe to donate to, is there anything else you could plug for me? (laughs) We got, we got the weekly Patreon.com slash first strike. (laughs) Patreon.com slash first strike. Or you can be a subscriber to twitch.tv slash insane Hain. That's also who's back on a pretty regular uh, schedule Tuesday, every Tuesday, every Thursday. That's a good plug right there. Um, probably one of the best players that also streams. That's pretty sweet. And I think, I think that's it. Any, any, I think Dan, anything you want to plug besides uh, your sweet article that's coming out tomorrow. And uh, 
What else? I just tweeted out a free sideboard guide. So, you know, if you don't want to pay for any of that sweet content, then uh, just go reward me with uh, likes as well as your praise and adulation on Twitter.com, the website, you know? Also, uh, if you want to play some Modern Horizons this weekend and you're in the beautiful city of Toronto, Ontario, might I recommend visiting my home store of uh, face-to-face games, a.k.a. JFSFS Toronto, Toronto. Uh, come beat me up on Sunday that there's a pre-release showdown for Modern Horizons. It's 1K in prizes. It's going to be a sweet time. Also, I never win at these events, so I'm a free round for you. Just come claim your match points, claim your prizes. It's easy. See you there. Like they have to beat you in modern? No, no, it's just it's the modern horizons horizons pre-release. Oh yeah, okay, show, yeah. showdown, yeah. Okay, just yeah. come beat me up. It's easy. And then next week I'll be gunslinging at the uh, at the at the MCQ, the face to face games Toronto MCQ on the Saturday. In which case you can just come bring a deck and beat me for a free pack of modern horizons. God, I'm giving away so many prizes. Well, a free pack, man. That that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I'm just I'm just Oprah out here. Right, you get a pack. pack. Anything else for you, Elliot? No, I've got nothing. I I love Modern Horizons, though. I think it's a cool set. John, Uh, if you ever play me uh, in the Magic Online queue in the next uh, few weeks, I'm sorry in advance for turn one and turn two. Oh crap! And if you beat him, he'll mail you a pack of Modern Horizons. <laughs> I love that. Uh, this is the first time Face to Face Games Montreal is doing a midnight pre-release of a. At least it's been a while, or, or first time ever, midnight pre-release of a set that's not one of the the regular expansions. So I'm not I'm not sure how well that's going to do, but uh, how excited people are for 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 that. Usually people show up for for in droves for for uh, the normal expansions and the core sets. And I'm hopeful it's a, it's a huge hit as well. Uh, people seem to be stoked about the set. And uh, that's it for me. Um, thanks, Dan, for coming on the show. Congratulations once again for winning with Blue Red Phoenix. I'm really excited to take your exact list for a spin on either MTGO or Magic Arena. And I might be playing it this Sunday. We'll see. We will see. Or Tangram's, uh, Tangram's deck, Andy. <laughs> All right. So for uh, Andy... Uh, Elliot, John, myself, and, and, and Dan, thanks again. And Alex, uh, we will see you uh, next episode next week. And hopefully, wait, none of us have an MCQ to play. Hopefully, uh, I don't know, piles of money drops on us for some reason. So we'll see you next episode. Bye, guys. 